0: You're listening to the Ones Ready podcast, a team of Air Force special operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, PJ team leader, jujitsu lover, meme enthusiast, and dad joke aficionado, Aaron Love. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the team room. We got a special one. If you can't see, My good friend, Greg Jackson, came on to sit down in the team room and talk to us about all things like MMA and being an awesome dude and some other projects he's involved in. So we're going to get into that. You see Trent is uh, is out here too. So here's the deal. We want to say thanks to everybody that engages, likes, subscribes, goes to the YouTube, goes to the Instagram, checks out stuff. You guys are awesome. We really, really appreciate it. I'm getting better at reels. No big deal. I'm getting pretty famous. I think I have like 100 followers. It's pretty good. I won't lie. I'm getting really, really good at it. Greg even said I look great. (laughs) <laughs> so uh this
1: is why i on is to, to pump up <laughs> here you
0: i see where this okay. is going <laughs> it's like right, that's exactly it so we're uh we're gonna say thanks to eberly stock as well go over there they have the best outdoor gear i've got my switch Bay blade pack literally sitting right over there in the corner it's my everyday carry it's dope it's rugged it's amazing go to eberly stock put in ones ready at the checkout get yourself a sweet discount thank goodness greg my friend Thank you for coming on. Sure. For everybody that doesn't know about you, you are an Albuquerque staple. You belong here more than the Sandia Mountains. You've been here literally your entire life, man. Can you can you just break down your your personal story of how you found yourself here in Albuquerque and, and how you got to where you are today? These days I'm feeling as old as the Sandia Mountains. So. <laughs> They're young, young mountains.
2: Uh, So anyway, I was actually born in Washington, D.C., and then I was uh, raised here since I was about six months old for all intents and purposes. So, um, yeah, I uh, was raised in the South Valley of Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is a place that has a very... it's a, it's an underserved uh, community for sure in, in the United States and has a very machismo culture there that would really put fighting as kind of it's the most important thing. And so being one of the few white kids in the Hispanic community, I said, well, I better figure out how to do some of this fighting stuff right, pretty damn yeah. quick. So uh, that was kind of the start of it. I never really wanted to be a coach or anything like that. I mean, once I got into being a coach, I wanted to be the best coach I could be, obviously. But um, I got kind of talked into the whole thing by my friends because I, in, we were doing so much actual kind of hands-on work, as you say. Um, and my friends were saying, well, hey, how did you do this or how did you do that? And so I started teaching them and uh, opened my first school when I was 17 which is a few years ago in 1992. And uh, yeah, I've been basically running a martial arts school ever since.
0: That's crazy. And then when did, when did you hook up with uh, Mr. Winklejohn? When did that marriage happen? Because you guys have a long relationship. We do. Um, pretty early on, actually. But he had his own school at that time. Um, it was
2: just Jackson's Mixed Martial Arts. Uh, and then um, right around 2007, I want to say, he was trying to retire. And I was like, no, you're not retiring, sir. You're, we, we, <laughs> you were becoming over full-time. So uh, then he came over kind of full-time to work with the team uh, at like about 2007, as I recall.
0: Okay. Okay. And then you guys have been together
2: ever since. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he really helped me out a lot in, because again, you take kind of a raw street fighting kid um, and had really helped a a lot of my striking refined, a lot of my striking taught me how to set things up. Um, You know, uh, street fighting will make you lazy because you're fighting people that aren't as prepared as you are most of the time. Um, So you having, you're not going to get to the next level there, right? You've got to get kind of a little bit more. Uh, had protocols and ideas and these kind of things that are a little more conducive to fighting at a high level.
0: And um, so he he really was one of the first people that helped me get to that next level. Nice. Yeah. And there, there's levels. There's levels to everything. There's levels to this fight game. There's levels to soft. There's levels to all this stuff. When did you guys move into the big building when um, downtown? Mm, I think that was five years ago we moved there. It's, okay. uh, it's a pretty large building. And uh, yeah, it's been really... It's been really
2: great. It's been a great journey. You know, I, one of those things where I didn't know that I would end up here at all. I'm just very lucky that I did. Seriously, just lucked out that I got into MMA very, very early on. Um, and that people still want to come and train with a guy as old as the Sandia Mountains.
1: <laughs> so w- w- one of the things that we, we always talk about on this show and we, we talk to uh, our audiences is, is mostly people that I think that want to get into the, the soft community. And we talk about mental toughness a lot and how important it is. And, and I think there's a lot of crossover between fighting and, uh, and our community. And so what, what are some of those, those barriers, the mental toughness barriers that you have to get your fighters across? Or is, is there anything in particular that comes up over and over again?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, definitely both in in soft and in MMA world, I think that the um, making sure that you're in line with the process, I think is is probably the most important thing. And so there's things that will constantly try to pull you out of the process, fear, pain, um, you know, indecision, all of these things. So basically, making sure that you're strong enough to deal with whatever psychological adversity is coming your way to maintain that kind of flow state. And you don't need to be like, I'm in the zone all the time, obviously that you don't get that privilege all the time, but um, being able to say, okay, well, this is putting me in pain or extreme fatigue or um, you know, is wearing me down and you start having those internal conversations with yourself that seem like logic, but actually are not, is the opposite of logic seems, seems super sound
0: at the time though. Right. You're like, Oh yeah. Maybe if I could just, you know, if I just stop this, then all (laughs) the, Pain stops and, no, you know what? I, I'm right. If I just quit, I wouldn't have to do this. Anymore. That's right.
2: That's right. Not <laughs> knowing, right, that the pain of quitting is way worse than anything you're going to get. So, um, the uh, I, I think that those things, that warrior mentality, is is common. Now, obviously. Um, MMA is not nearly as dangerous as working in the soft community at all, um, but there are still things that you have to deal with as far as fear, pressure, um, especially judgment. Judgment's a big one in MMA um, because the soft community isn't quite as broadcast. I'm not saying they aren't, but um, you, your your judgment comes from your peers more than it comes from millions of fans, right? But it's still kind of the same idea. Um, so I think that there are very very important commonalities there that uh that do cross over and if you're looking to get into the soft community i in my opinion obviously great decision making is number one but yeah yeah you've got to be pretty mentally tough
1: i I couldn't even imagine like if if everything that i did was filmed and then having like you know 12 year old guys jump up on on the internet and be like this dude is an idiot he doesn't know what he's doing and
0: he's like like i don't know nice track
2: reload bro yeah
0: (laughs) Uh, driving drive me nuts. Well, and uh, JT and Dizzy talked about it when he came on Free Range American the other day. You know, Dizzy, disaster, uh, really put it out there. He's like, you know, dudes with no resumes are out there. critiquing. be like, oh, look at that lazy left hand. Be like, bro, have you ever been hit by a hook in your life? Like, what are you talking about? No. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to keep going. I'll just go down and <laughs> caveat that rabbit hole all day long. Did you just say I'll caveat that rabbit hole? That does not sound... Appropriate,
1: I say, I say as many words that I think are gonna like tick you off as possible, you know, like okay, you don't so even know what caveat sorry. means, Trent, like so this is where my critique comes <laughs> from is from Aaron hundred percent of the time
2: <laughs> that's right, that's right. well, yeah, I mean it, it is the the big difference obviously is that MMA is entertainment and uh, what the soft community does is uh, for something much greater than that, uh, but yeah, it, it you you do find these um. I think in in my opinion, and what do I know about anything, but you get a lot of those the tactical nerds as well that are probably trying to tell you guys that have knocked on a few doors in your day, what's going on. So, you know, some of that's still the same. It still crosses over pretty well. That's crazy. So, so in my mind, um, when we talk about
1: like fight camp or like the, the, the training pipeline or train up the way that we do business, there's, like I said, there's a lot of similarities. So what are some of the tools that you use uh, to keep your guys motivated and focused going through fight camp because I think if, if you follow the sport at all, it's, it's a grind and it's hard, you know, and, and I think some of the fighters are pretty honest about like, I did not want to do this for three months or whatever it was. And it, you know, it's worse than the fight. Uh, so what are some of the tools that you, you bring to bear?
2: Well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the um, obviously the individual having the fire in the first place, but if, listen, that's, for me, that's a great way to figure out if the job is for you really, because fighting is a job, soft, is a, it's all a job. So if, if the job is for you, then while you're going to have problems being motivated, you've got another layer underneath you that will keep you motivated. If you don't have that out, out, right out of the bat, right, right out of the go, then it really isn't the job for you. I would, I would uh, say something else. Listen, the air force has a lot of cool stuff. You could maybe do flying airplanes and things of that nature. I've heard, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty cool. So my point is, is that you've got to come with something, right? Like you've got to come with some kind of determination. Now on top of that, as you're going through, you, you have to remind yourself why you're doing it. In my opinion, like the reasons, wh- the reason why is a big deal, and it's what you can anchor your mind to. So mm-hmm. fighters, a lot of times, will do it because they want to improve their situation or they want to, you know, uh, show everybody something, right? I, I want them to show them that I'm the best. Um, in soft, you can do the same thing, right? Like you have to have some a reason why. Why are you? Why are you doing this? And that why needs to be pretty distinct early on. You can't. I've seen people figure it out kind of halfway through, like, oh, this is why I'm doing it, or they can change their mind, and that's handy as well. But a lot of times, if you don't have something to mentally anchor yourself on when you're just cooked, and there's people yelling at you and making you do things that you don't really want to do, it's nice to kind of sit back for half a second and go, I'm doing this because of this. And that, at least for me, that helps out a lot. And then the second part of that is... I like the term professional a lot. So if you're a professional, then it is your job to put up with this suffering like that. And I remind my fighters of that all the time. Like this is your job. Like some people go and they type on computers or as we stated earlier, you fly around airplanes or whatever your job is. But your job basically is to suffer. Like that's your job. Um, You have to be the best at suffering so that when your opponents are suffering and you're suffering, you're better at your job than they are at theirs. Um, so that's a big thing for me too. those, those, that, that kind of anchor motivation, like why, and knowing the why's before you get in there is a big deal. And then also the, uh, the just make calming yourself down and saying, you know what, this is what professionals do. They get yelled at in the rain while they carry a log around or whatever silliness in the fight game we have as well.
1: A lot of apparatus to choose from. And I think we that's just right. found like, I don't know the, the, the term just professional suffering. I don't know that hit me. That's. That's pretty right. awesome. Um, so, so for a new like black myself, when we get this question, sometimes uh, you know how to start from zero. So, if I wanted to start into the fight game, you know, like I don't even know which hand to throw.
2: <laughs> where, where do people even start at to become fighters? Where would I go first? Well, I, you have to ask yourself. The most important question is: Can you deal with disappointment? Because that fighting, where it where it has a um, kind of an illusion over a lot of people, is that um, it's rocky, right? Like you go out there and then you do a montage, and then all of a sudden you're on top of the world. The fight game is nothing but dealing with disappointment, and I don't mean losing. I mean that you have a fight scheduled, everything is all set up, and then the guy didn't make weight and won't fight you. And then you can't find a fight for a year and a half. And then like, that's what fighting is. That's at the, at the lowest level, it really, that's all it is, is just disappointment after bitter disappointment. So if you're cool with that, man, fighting's for you. That would be the first thing I would say. Then secondly, there's so many mixed martial arts schools now that you can, I mean, they're, they, they're like leaves on a giant tree. So you can, you can find a ton, ton of them. Um, And any one of them at the beginning level is pretty much I mean, unless it's absolutely ridiculous and they're teaching you ninja stuff from the 80s, um, you, you should be fine just as a baseline. And then you can kind of, as you research it, you can you can figure it out. Um, I would ask around. I would ask uh, in your community, uh, hey, is this a good school? Is this a bad school? Do they have any fighters? Um, get to know the trainers a little bit. See if you some, if it's a personality that'll click. But really, it's not even about getting your technique down. It's can you deal with, even if you're a hobby fighter, like you just want to do some amateur fights or whatever. Can you deal with just having all your hopes and all of this intense process going on and then it's all of a sudden done and then you you don't do it again for eight months and then oh, it's going to be set again, okay, and then you get one fight and, oh man, you win it's the greatest thing ever and then you don't fight for a year because this fell falls through, that falls through. Really, it's about being able if you're okay doing that and training and getting better during that time you're going to have a great career as a fighter um but uh if not it it, it gets i mean i have plenty of fighters that honestly it's broken like they've been very talented but they're just not willing to pay that price of constantly for the
0: first you know two and a half three years it's it's just nothing but a pain in the butt well and it's got to be so much luck too you know, right. having having everybody make weight, having all those things line up, having the promotions actually fall in line, like there has to be, and it, it has to suck for you as a coach too to see a fighter that you're like, Jesus, if he would just get a break, <laughs> right. if he would just let this line up, like, yeah, it,
2: there is a lot of that, and it happens a lot. The, I think the most important thing, uh, the, as a coach and a, and a fighter as well, uh, in those in those early years, is just again giving yourself, and I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but if you're all right with the process, because really it's only 15 minutes. It's hurry up and wait, like the soft game, like all the games, right? It's like you get in position and nothing happens. And then you go and everything, you go and every knocking on door, and nothing. And then all of a sudden everything happens. Yeah. And the, But it's only 15, 20 minutes and 25 minutes in the fight game. And, you know, you're you're not going to be in a, in a firefight that's probably more than a week long. You messed up <laughs> something really bad if you're in that kind of a situation. right? So, uh, you know, it's a small amount of time that everything matters in. And that's very addicting and it should be addicting. But um, if you give yourself to the process and just treat that as another branch of, of your training and improvement, that's how you usually can ride that stuff out, at least in my experience.
0: Got it. Well, that's that's awesome. and And that brings us to kind of like how we met. So it was a couple couple of years ago for people out there that don't understand or, or don't un, like aren't tracking it every single squadron usually has what they call an honorary commander uh, an honorary commander so it's somebody that you look out in the community and you're like man this guy upholds our ethos this guy upholds our morals and and the things that we want and we connect with them and you ask them to be your honorary commander sometimes it's a throwaway position for us at the schoolhouse we it was definitely not a throwaway position <laughs> this is one of those things where you know I'm happy I'll, I'll throw BC's operator initials out there cuz it was it was his idea it was not my. Mind, but I was just glad to kind of, kind of be there. But we approached you and uh, it was probably like 2015 to 2015 to be the honorary commander of the PJ Crow schoolhouse. And you've been the honorary commander since then. Can you kind of like walk us through what that like? Cause I'm sure you get like crazy community requests all the time where they're like, Oh, Greg Jackson. Cause you are a local celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: I uh, am not much of a celebrity thankfully. Um, yeah. I-, I think that um, I, I, because of the of the things that we have in common in, in the fighting world and in the soft world, um, it was an easy fit for me. Plus, um, I'm always looking for – like, my job has no social value. Like, I have no relevance at all. <laughs> I hold a bucket and I scream at people to punch other people. So, like, if you're going like, to break down who's giving back to their community, uh-huh. this is not the guy. Right. So, <laughs> it, it, it is a way to – I mean, you guys are on the line sacrificing everything, including your lives, uh, so that my kids can – you know have a choir practice or you know i can enjoy my country um that's that's just having that freedom is a huge deal so anything that pretty much the the, the military will ask i will do um because again i'm like yeah, yeah. i'm not exactly the uh the uh I haven't given my life in public service. I'll put it that way. So <laughs> uh, this was a chance for me to help out a little bit. And even if it's just a little bit, I'll take it. So that was, yeah. what, that was my motivation there.
0: Nice. Well, then you and I had a, a many a long, uh, many a cold morning of showing up and doing combatives with the students. And some of the students were lucky enough to get just like straight up world-class instruction. And me too. I learned a lot from those as well. But you were the world-class instructor. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> totally false. So um, you got to, to be introduced to kind of like a whole different, Like group of people. So you're, you're so used to being around, you know, fighter athletes and, and, you know, the fighters that you had. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing, you know, these guys that are at the end of a two year pipeline and they're there. What differences did you notice in those two kind of, kind of groups of people, you know? Well,
2: there is actually, I mean, I was lucky enough to be exposed, um, previously, um, by like Greg Thompson who runs the SOC P program and stuff, um, working with some other SF groups as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you that there was the biggest, my fighters are going to hate me for saying this, but the biggest difference was usually an education level. Like, um, not always, but, um, the, when you guys are doing your, the PJ stuff, it's usually, so in other words, when your vetting process, you, your vetting process usually isn't well, can you throw, can you fight really well? Right. Like you have to hold a bank account, whatever it is. Um, (laughs) You have to hold account. Right, whatever. So you know how to calculate your taxes? Really? No, like (laughs) not even that, but like, so uh, some of my fighters are very, very smart people, but some of them are just like, they, no one's ever, it's not their fault. There's no one's ever taught them how to, uh, I don't know how to do a bank account. Like, I don't know how to treat people. I don't know. Like a lot of them have come from very, um, uh, hard circumstances, but they didn't have the military saying, okay, these are the things that you need to, you need to get up and make your bed. You know what I mean? Like you don't yep. have that. So that, that was one of the main differences. The core is the same. Like they still had the, they wanted to, to be go-getters. They wanted to, to fight so to speak. Um, but the biggest difference is what the military gives you is that um, the ability to kind of be a little bit more of a complete person. Um, whereas fighters, a lot of times don't have that it's not, And again, it's nothing against them. It's not that they're bad people. It's just they haven't had the same opportunities with somebody yelling at them. Um, a lot of them come from really rough circumstances, and they're just trying to fight their way out of it. Uh, so you, you come to that ta- that, the table then with a little bit different parameters, if that makes sense. Sure. So that was one of the things I noticed. Um, but as far as the core, same, same guys are uh, trying hard and uh, warriors. And yeah, I mean,
0: everything that I like about people. <laughs> Absolutely. Kind of that grit and that willingness to not quit. And I saw a lot of those similarities too, because I've been lucky enough to meet, you know, a couple fighters. We had Alistair Overeem come in and, and his fight camp and his, or his, his team come in and, and do some stuff. And obviously, you know, I've run across Holly and, and, you know, Jody Escobel and some of the other fighters that are running around. So I noticed a lot of those similarities as well, those, those personality traits. And I think a lot of our listeners are going to really resonate with like, they're fighting to change their lives too. Like right. we know, we know PJs and SR guys and controllers that have literally lived in Cars and been homeless, and they've just been like, "This is it. This is my shot. Like I've got to go," and that typically drives them, you know, really, really hard to to achieve those things. So, um, moving on, like one of my favorite things about being an instructor was going to the graduations as the honorary commander. Did you, do you remember your first graduation where you were like, okay, this is a thing now.
2: Yeah. Um, it was really cool. Like, uh, just, I mean, you, how many, so many years and you guys as PJs, you have to have so many skill sets. Holy cow. Like, yeah, yeah, like I don't, yeah, It, it is impressive the amount of things that you guys need to know. Um, and so just to watch all the, you know, year after year of training and getting beaten down and then just to see that elation in that, uh, um, graduation ceremony and i will say uh, the guys are you know the, the boys and those of you guys who have graduated pjs you know you guys are all kind of cool calm and collected up there somebody will say something funny once in a while but for me it's really the families that i love in the background the families will be hooting and hollering and mm-hmm. they're just so proud of them and uh so hearing that pride so you're, you're my back will be to the audience and my i'll be facing obviously the the uh graduates and you can feel like a wave of pride just behind you and in in, in a sense for me it was it was almost allegory for the pride of the country you know what I mean like you have this we are proud to have you guys represent us and so when you feel that power it gives me goosebumps now when you guys when you feel that power behind you and then focused up on the on those graduates I think that's a very that's an incredibly powerful experience for me Now, and of course, as a PJ, and you're just out of just training after training after training, and now you got to graduate. So you're, bro, I'm calm, cool, and collected. You know, I got, (laughs) they're up there, and maybe they're feeling it, but they're keeping it in because they've been dealing with fear and all this stuff for so long that it's, I think it's a lot hard to, and it's not appropriate for them to release it. running around throwing their braids out going I'm the
0: man <laughs> like, probably not the place well I but, mean uh, I, I did but I'm a terrible right. person that's I mean I, I couldn't believe it I was like man not only did I graduate but you, you feel that that's a great way to describe it because you can feel when when I was on that stage when I was graduating from the apprentice course and I was like holy cow this is the end of a two-year you know for me it was longer because I tried once and you know I included that whole five-year process right. for me but you can you could really feel that um that that pride or that that wave and and sitting up there too you're trying to like you're still a student, so you're not trying to act up and get in trouble. But man, yeah, I was, I was pumped. I was pumped about that.
2: I think that's really cool, and I think that's something that um, if you haven't experienced it, you can describe it to people, but they'll never really get it. Right? It's something that sets uh, you, you apart because you went through this journey. Other people aren't in that in that warrior's journey with you except that you guys around you. And I think that that's a very powerful thing. I think it's very necessary for a lot of young guys. So if you can swim and you can do any kind of like, Hey, is he sick? Yeah. Maybe I should give him this medicine. Then go be a pararescueman because you're good to go. Jumping out of airplanes is easy. They always, (laughs) the ground is right there. (laughs) Swimming for me is much harder than jumping out of airplanes. (laughs) Trust me, get good at the swimming. It depends on who you're jumping with though so
0: yeah that's a good point i was jumping by myself
1: so i was in real trouble Uh, no that's those are the best jokes if you jump by yourself there's there's no sky trash out there to to run into you it's glorious yeah Um, yeah but I think I think some of the th- one of the things you said about the families, is uh, I think some of that is just that release of of stress. You know, it's it's like watching a fighter in the cage as their coach or their family member. They've been following these guys for two two and a half years and and going along with all their struggles, and the family knows that there's a very real possibility that these guys are not going to make it. They're not going to fulfill their dreams. Uh, you know, like and so I think that it all culminates at that graduation moment. It's just. Uh, you know, I think they're just relieved as much as the the students are because, uh, you know, if you care about someone you want, they're going through all this suffering and you don't want them to fail. But the reality is, you know, there were nine out of 10 guys that that didn't make it to that stage. So it's a uh, pretty special. But,
2: I mean, that's a that's a crazy attrition rate that you guys have. Crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking speaking of attrition rates uh, in Hollywood, I hear it's really hard to make it. But I've also heard that you've been involved in those projects. Dude, my segues are the worst.
2: The worst. Trent, you are my hero now. (laughs) (laughs) That was the biggest, that was the most important pivot I've ever, that was pretty good. That's a tactical pivot. Tactical pivot. I Couldn't
1: think of a a good way to segue. I was like, Trent, I I love it. How do we start talking
2: about Hollywood movies? Trent segues like
0: a flashbang.
2: No way, dude. Trent, you are. (laughs) I'm (laughs) meeting you. You're my hero, Trent. That's awesome. (laughs) That is so good. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So Hollywood uh, is um, a very. I think it's a very hard place if you are an actor. Again, the attrition rate there. Um, The great thing about being somebody as ugly and dumb as I am is that I get to go and do fun parts of it but I don't have to make a living at it. So there's not a lot of pressure uh, on for me. I've tried every job that I could do just to see what it was like. So I did a cameo uh, on a TV show. Um, I was a stunt man, just randomly tried out being a stunt man just to see how that was. You know what I mean? Um, and because if you know people, they're like, Hey, you want to be a stunt man? I'm like, sure.
0: <laughs> so, okay, uh, yeah. 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 Um, you want to get set on fire? I mean, right. yeah.
2: so I, I've helped with the writing uh, fight choreography. So it, it's been a real, fun kind of journey just to see on the inner on the other side of entertainment um what it's about uh, what are the similarities i'm a guy that's always looking for like if i listen to music i'm listening for rhythms and structures that maybe help me in combat Um, same thing with like directors like when i when i talk to directors i like to say how do you get people to focus in on these key points then I take that as a fighter and say, okay, or as a coach and say, okay, how can I get my fighters to distract the guy over here and hit him over there? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm always looking for these commonalities um, which is why I do it. The stunt man I just did to, again, to see what it was like, but all the rest of the stuff that I do, I'm always looking at structure and uh, that kind of enlightenment, because I think in order to um, like one of your, uh, one of your famous people and one of my heroes, uh, Boyd, um, you want to be able to, 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 go outside of your art, these unreachable truths, right? Like it's uh, a little bit like Gurdell said, right? Like you want to get these truths that are outside of the system that you have to find more truths. So I'm constantly trying to look out. uh, And that's actually what got me into working with the soft community is I was trying to, way back, I was trying to figure out uh what what are these underlying strategical principles that you use if you're clearing a room if you are assaulting an airfield if you are and how do those those principles that you use there how do those translate into one-on-one combat in a cage um and so that was actually the beginning of of me working with the combative stuff and going to some schools and, and doing that kind of thing was just that interest in that like what i need to be able to say okay if you post on a door and your team riffs around you, that's like isolating a Kimura and moving your hips around it to turn for an arm bar. And once you see those similarities, then you can say, okay, I, I I'm beginning to understand that this is a strategical point that needs to be studied. And then you need to be thinking about that over your technique when you go into combat. Right. How was that for a segue? <laughs> that, was, that was amazing.
1: I, I think my, my next question, and I have to ask this is, is has a, uh, are movies ruined for you? Like, you know a lot about mixed martial arts. (laughs) And I know in the military, you know, we try to watch these movies and, you know, I'm sitting down with my wife and I'm watching a a military movie and she's starting to get into it. And I, I have to like, like, you know, like control myself instead of being like, that's not real. This is stupid. Why would you do that? (laughs) Actually,
0: you would never clear that corner like that.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I think here's my problem. I actually really like dance fighting. I always, it's harder for me when they try to make it look realistic. So like when they're, when like uh, I would have an easier time, like when I watched uh, the uh, hidden dragon crouching, Crouch, words, yeah crouching down, you know crouching what I mean? That, yeah, yeah. That thing. Like I loved it. Cause it's dance fighting and I love dance fighting, right? Like it, you know, there's music and they're flowing mm-hmm. and like a little hit like this go makes them go flying. So I actually, I can do suspension of disbelief pretty well. And the same thing, if you're doing like a, a, a war movie. I, I think, you know what I mean? Like you, I've never been in a war. Uh, I have not stormed the beaches of Normandy. So I wouldn't know how realistic saving private Ryan was. I don't think anybody here has, but, um, the, but I, I can do suspension of disbelief a little bit there. It's when you like really, really try to make it realistic that again, I, I can be all right with it, but I, I'm always like, that's, that's your biggest problem with the movie. Like
0: Like yeah, John
2: Wick, like kills 43 (laughs) dudes and doesn't get shot at all. Like if you play Sims, like just play Sims for five minutes with three dudes and see how many were Sim rounds you get (laughs) before you can take them all out one at a time dancing. Right. Like, so for me, like even the tactics are like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, I'll tell you what has ruined for me is TV. Like I, because I've done so many of these writing, uh, helping out with the writers like I can't watch uh, to my suspension of disbelief on television for whatever reason is God. Like I cannot watch TV. It's hilarious. Like I I cannot watch it. Like I'll, I'll watch it for a while. And then I'm like, I'm just thinking about the plot the whole time. Anyway, like, and I'm a, listen, I'm a terrible <laughs> writer. That's the sad part of it. Imagine if I was a really good writer and and could help out,
0: but uh, you could actually provide like, right. right yeah. Or yeah, stuff. exactly. But I don't know
2: what I'm talking about, but I do know that it's ruined it for me. Like I'm like, I can see the writer's room and all of them going, what if we'd made the Mandalorian go left here and then we'll do, oh, that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Like, I I, it's it's uh it has ruined that for me but with movies i'm i'm okay with a suspension of disbelief i like you know when thor gets his hammer out and the music goes on and get him
0: thor you know i (laughs) i can do that oh yeah i can do that
2: no i i think i've gotten better
1: as i got old you know like i think we we, aaron and i've talked about that that weird like staff sergeant time in your your career where you take things very seriously and think you know everything (laughs) and you know i think i've grown out of that i just wanted to bring that up um so, do you have anything big in the works though that you want
2: to talk about uh, on that side of the fence? Ooh, let's see. Not really. Well, I'm like an uh, I'm basically a vulture of that world, right? If I see carrion on the ground, I'll dive. In, like somebody will be like, "Hey, come eat over here." So I don't really like. Again, I don't really pursue. I you know, my friends that work in that industry will come and say, "Hey, will you help me do this?" Like, um, for that Range 19, which was um. Uh, Tim Kennedy and all those guys basically did that movie and it was a great movie and (laughs) Randy Couture and, uh, all these medal honor winners in there and say it was hilarious. But anyway, they were like, Hey, um, our fight choreographer dropped out. Can you come in three days and do every fight scene in this
0: movie? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I was like, (laughs) okay. So
2: yeah. So I got on a plane and basically didn't sleep for a couple of days. And, and, uh, the highlight of that trip though, was, uh, Danny Trejo, I got to do a fight scene for him. And that was pretty cool. Cause that dude's like a legend, right? Yeah. How cool is that? Um, and mind you, they weren't good fight scenes. You can watch the movie, but it uh, they, they was were, they were super fun to do. So it's always things like that where you're like, oh, you know, so and so has a project. Do you want to come and, and help them out? And I'm sure just for the experience of it, I'll say, sure, I'll, I'd I'd love to do that. So it's always in that way where where somebody says, okay, we're doing here's another MMA movie or here's another MMA show. Um, but I was really lucky. I got to do a lot on the Warrior movie. Uh, I got to do a really lot on the Kingdom TV show. So. So I, I just luck, man, just the right place at the right time. And so I realized what a jerk I sound like saying that because there's actual <laughs> real actors that are like, oh, must be nice. And that actually ran into it. I was doing a cameo as myself because I mean, I, I, I'm not an actor. Like I played not,
0: yourself. I played myself and didn't do it well. I was going to say like, you're, you're like Charlie Chaplin when he plays right. third in a Charlie <laughs> yeah. Chaplin lookalike contest. Exactly. <laughs> that well, anyway, you were the third choice for That's Greg true. Jackson. And they
2: gave me a script. I'm like, I'm not going to remember this. Like I'm a terrible actor, like terrible actor. So I'm like, I'll just say what I would say in this situation. Right. Like I, I, am like remembering lines and I don't like the attention of the camera. I'm even doing podcasts. I'm kind of uncomfortable. You know, I just don't mm-hmm. like the attention. Um, so this poor guy next to me was like, uh, he had no idea about MMA or anything. He was just like an extra in the show. And he was telling me that he had moved. He was an older guy probably late 50s, maybe early 60s. He had moved from New Jersey, I think, to California to make it in the biz and was like, oh, uh, well, you know, how did you get a speaking role in this? Because he's like just standing, you have to wait there and then they say action and you go do it and then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I really, uh really didn't try out for it. They just asked me to do it. And this dude got to say, he got mad at me was, he was like, what? You in addition? <laughs> what? Like he was furious with me. And I felt so terrible. I'm like, no, dude, it's like, I'm a, I'm a coach in this sport. And so it's like a cameo. And he wouldn't like, he was so mad that, that my words weren't making sense to him. Oh, he, and no. the whole time he was just giving me the. <laughs> like no that character over there is based on me like right Yeah. So you don't want to be like i'm a
1: somebody like no well
2: that and just like like that guy's working hard so i apologize to all the actors out there that are trying to work hard it's not you do a job i could not do i am not an actor i do not like being in front of the camera i would be a terrible thespian um i wouldn't be able to enunciate to the back row <laughs> yeah it's it would be bad
1: Jeez, you, you ready for another terrible segue yeah let's do so it like, just like Danny Trejo and being surrounded by all those amazing like Hollywood types. What's it like being in the gym every day surrounded by some of the best fighters in the world?
0: Oh, you're the worst. The worst. I am Drett, nailing this.
2: You <laughs> you need to be a writer. That's all I can say. That is so good. Now listen. The thing about that is is that I you have to separate and I get this question a lot. I have to separate myself as a fan. So as a fan, you would say, okay, all these guys and none of no. But like, it's my job to tell them what to do. So even though I'm a fan in my heart, like I love watching them do what they do. They're just normal. Like that's my coworkers. Right. Um, again, think about all the amazing dudes you guys know. And, uh, you'd be like, man, what is it like? That guy had six saves and got shot. Like, and you're like, yeah, he's a good dude. I went through the pipeline with him.
0: Yeah. He that's threw up him. at my house one right, time. Right. Exactly. He, he, you know he he what I mean? He woke up with a traffic cone on his head when we were young and <laughs> exactly. he came over.
2: So inside your heart, you can be like, "That's my boy," you know what I mean. You're so proud of him for doing all that stuff, and you can be, but you're not gonna go, "Hey, um, can I get your autograph, please, sir?" And you're and it'd be like, "Cause it, yeah, it would make him feel weird too." So that's that's the the um, the the short version of that. The long version of that is I still don't know why I'm there. Like I am a skinny white kid from the South Valley. I have no idea why anybody would want to work with me. I'm very glad for the last thirty years they have. I'm serious as a heart attack. I'm not false humility. Like I'm just lucky to be there. Really, I'm just just dumb, crazy luck that I get to be there and do. I I get to do what I love. I can work as much or as little as I want. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how I got so lucky. I just I don't understand. I don't. I mean, I'm in a place where I'm like, I, I, yeah, why, why me? Why there's so much better, uh, but I'll take it. That's for sure. Well, I have
1: to, I have to say as a, as a fan and I'm not just an MMA fan, but I've been, you know, I've, I've seen you a a number of times and I'm I'm fairly familiar with, with a lot of your work. I think one of the things that really struck me about you and especially uh, when I was an instructor is it seems like you really get to know your fighters. And you have different approaches for all your different fighters. Like the way that you corner uh, like Donald Cerrone is different than some of the other fighters. You know what I mean? And the way that you're able to get into their heads and and get the most out of your fighters and get them to stick to the game plan is something that is unique. And especially when you first started doing all this stuff, this wasn't normal across the board. And so I think watching what you were doing as a, as a military instructor on the other side, it really helped me out in a lot of ways to, to figure out like, Hey, what's the process to get these people to do what I wanted to do. It's like, Oh, like, look at Greg Jackson. Like he seems like he knows all his fighters. He has different approaches for all of them. And then they're, they're winning uh, their success uh, record is, is ridiculously high coming out of Albuquerque. And so that's, I mean, you say you, you don't belong there, but I think, you know, you cracked a certain code and it works for you and you are who you are. And that's why, uh, you know, everybody wants to come out to Albuquerque to train with you. That's my two cents on,
2: on that. I thought it was because I was really good looking Trent. You are really good looking. Okay, don't good. you let I him, think, don't yeah, you let don't him like, you up. Right. It's, yeah. It's no, been, it's good looks. It's good. Look, looks. I
1: don't put your calendar on the wall behind me for the podcast. But it's that, don't, <laughs> it's like, don't worry about
2: it. Good. No, I mean, it's very nice of you to say, um, and, and I've been very lucky. I really have. Um, and I really care about my job. I care about my guys and gals. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been lucky and I'm also super passionate. I'm a, uh, I'm a very passionate person, so it's helped out. Okay. So, so who's the, <laughs> the hardest to
1: coach?
0: Who is uh, the hardest ready. to coach? Uh, yeah, and there's this guy, Aaron. Oh my god, he's terrible. Crazy. Never takes input. He's not good at anything. I'll tell you what that's like the other one too. It's like
2: no. Um, you know, I, when they're hard to coach, it's usually on me because I feel like I haven't figured out speaking of cracking the code. Like I haven't figured it out, and I don't click with everybody. There's fighters that uh, that like to be more screamed at and yelled at, and they're just that's just not my vibe. Um, so I don't click with ev- with everybody. Um, but I, when it's, somebody's hard to coach, it's usually because I haven't understood how to coach them yet. Um, at least at that high level. Now that is not true when you are, some people are just not coordinated or they have a lifetime of not being coordinated. Um, but I don't deal with that very much because I pretty much only deal with, with pretty good fighters these days. Um, but I will say that that being hard to coach isn't his problem or her problem. It's my problem. And so I try to figure out completely different ways to go, Oh, Here's uh, Maybe I'm not approaching this the right way. Maybe I need to go take them in the mountains and break them down a little bit more so they're listening a little better, Um, whatever, whatever the solution may be. But I actually really enjoy it when they're hard to coach because
0: this makes it a challenge and I've got to figure out the problem. Yeah. And I, I felt the same way as an instructor and, and as a leader, as a flight chief as whatever it is, you know, position that I'm supposed to do. I'm like, why can this guy not figure it out? And I, as I've gotten older, it's because I'm not doing it the right way because I need to change my leadership style. Right. I can't yell at it. There are people that like, I cannot yell at like my daughter. I figured that out early on. I, I cannot raise my voice at my daughter. I just have to explain to my daughter what's going on. And she'll be like, okay you know, um, sometimes there is a place for yelling and being super directive and, and getting into somebody's chili. But a lot of times, like, especially with with Holly, I know you worked a lot with like, you know, you, she wanted to be first. She wanted that, that blue ribbon. She wanted mm-hmm. those things. So in the times of stress, and you could see it when you were cornering Holly, you just, Hey, take a breath. You're good. Blue ribbon. We're there. We're going to keep pressing with this. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was a, a good approach to try to really get into somebody to get them to perform.
2: Right. Well, it's about, yeah. I mean, that is the cracking the. So my job basically is I have to figure out what makes what, what is a fighter afraid of and what do they do when they're afraid? Right. And it's obviously very similar to what you guys do. So, um, you know, sometimes the fire is gassing out. They're afraid of that. Sometimes it's, uh, being on their back too long, whatever it is. Um, it's because that's what I do with when I break down opponents, when I look at, okay, who we're going to fight have to see, well, where, where are they weak mentally? Mm -hmm. Where can we push them, uh, so that we can win, um, I, I call it their teddy bear. It's the thing that they hold on to and like,
0: sure. Ever yep.
2: hey, the world's crawling around know I me. Mean? Where's my teddy bear? <laughs> right. right.
0: They get scared and somebody tries to pull a guard or, or well,
2: whatever this, it yeah. is. Right. Yeah. So, so identifying that in your fighter as well, you can see the negative and the positive. Um, and so I, I think that is one of my few talents is being able to read people in a way where I can figure out what they're afraid of. And then also what, how to, Either get them over that fear or uh, help them along that journey of dealing with
0: that. Well, and you're almost like reverse engineering their why. Like right. you're almost exactly. trying to figure out what no, what really drives am. them and how can I how can I get them to focus no, on that in the that's, moment. That's very insightful. It's exactly
2: it.
1: Oh, and that was nice of you. I think some of that physical pain too. Like you said, we we use the same tools. You know, like I can yeah. I can make all that the background like the 800 voices in their head with enough pain. I can make those disappear, and then it's just yeah, you and me that's right. that's having a conversation. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Me uh, saying this sucks, and you saying all right. Yeah, I, I can make the background noise go away very, very quickly. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to use a Trent flashbang transition here. So yeah. w- we we covered all the fight stuff. I want to start talking about some other projects that you're involved in, and, and the number one, the big one for me that I that I love. I mean, I've had a chance to train, um, you know, with you guys and with the organization a time or two before. Is is the Deliver Fund? Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the Deliver Fund a little bit and what you guys are getting after?
2: Well, Deliver Fund is a great organization um, founded by Nick McKinley, who was a uh, in the soft community for years. He was actually a PJ himself. Former J. Yep. Yeah, before he went to the uh, agency. Um, and uh, he really, when he was downrange, he saw like a lot of you guys do, uh, a lot of kind of human trafficking stuff. And when he came back to the United States, he's like, well, I'd like to, I'd like to give my, continue my service, but to do that in, in a way wherein I can stop this major problem, basically slavery. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he educated himself as to, and found out that in the United States, it's quite a, a large problem. And then, uh, being the brilliant guy that he is, he went about fixing it. So I was one of the founding board members on that. Um, and, uh, basically they, they're hunting down human traffickers, um, so you guys can go and give to their charity. It's a it's a not it's a not for profit, um, but they it we're not like. Again, it's not Jason Bourne. You're not. Right. There's yeah. not eight dudes kicking down a door, which I get asked all the time. Hey, next time you guys go kick down a door and shoot some traffickers, I'm in. I'm like, right. okay, <laughs> like, like that's so not, that's that's my, not her, exactly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we're in the United States. This isn't uh, <laughs> This is not downrange. We are here. Right. So, uh, what they do is they do on the intel side. They do. They basically put these packages together and then work in conjunction with the police to uh, uh, hit packages. A strong word again, but you want to put these packages together that the police then can execute and uh you know within the confines of the law there's nothing they do that's illegal or we wouldn't be around very long right um and then they also the second part of it is they train police officers how to identify human tracking victims how to deal with them uh, victim services stuff so they're kind of a one one-stop shop for all of that um and it's been great to be involved with them um i was uh super proud that I could, again, I could give back to something um, and and help out. So uh, they they have done a great job, I think. And you can look up their website, um, the Deliver Fund website, and they'll give you all the details of the amazing things that they do because it's constantly getting better and better. Yep. But uh, yeah, it, they they made it hard for human traffickers to be human traffickers. I'll put it that way because up until these guys, and there's some other organizations out there too. It's not like these guys are the only guys in town, but, uh, human trafficking was not that you get away with it. The risk for a war dynamic.
0: Yeah. They don't care. And it it was crazy too. I never realized before we got in the military, but i mean, in Trent, like call me if I'm wrong, but I mean, our entire career, haven't we had to like learn about human trafficking? And there was, you know, until recently we were always like, why am I taking this CBT? Why am I taking this training? Like, is this that big of a deal? Well, then you, you deploy sometimes. And then you're like, you see some things that really raise your eyebrows and you get home and you start to see the same things. Right. you like, not to the same scale. And you're like, hold on, man. Like this might be a for real problem. And, and I'm so proud of Nick and the deliver yeah. fun dudes for, for stepping up. And you know, you being involved in that was, was awesome too. What was, what was it like when they, when they approached you, did you, were you, were your eyes just like widened to it? So, or?
2: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. And I grew up in, 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 what could be considered the hood, mm-hmm. but uh, you're just not aware of the the dynamics and the organizational process that a lot of these um, uh, human traffickers possess. Um, so it, it was a super education for me. And then I always say yes, because I have, I mean, that's the same reason I got into coaching is I have a terrible time saying no to my friends. <laughs> like if you guys ask me to do something, I'm like, okay, okay,
0: I'm fine, I guess. Right,
2: let's go. <laughs> yeah. I, I never wanted to be that guy. So um, that it was an easy. And plus, you know, I got to learn a lot of stuff too. I got to go through their courses and, mm-hmm. and do a lot of that stuff. So it was, it was really educational for me. I love to learn. I think uh, my defining quality would be curiosity. I'm just I'm constantly curious about different stuff. So, uh, anytime that that's satiated, I'm very happy.
0: Nice. Well, so, and then you move on from Deliver Fund, and I'm going to break the news here on the podcast, to everybody. Jackson Wink 2024 presidential ticket is coming right. up.
2: That's right. Oh, so that's, Sweet.
0: I know. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, totally, obviously, uh, obviously a joke there, but you have started to like, get into that political realm. You're not running for office, or are you? We don't know yet, but uh, (laughs) I will be definitely running down the road. Um, Yeah. So as I,
2: and again, for me, it's just learning and listening. Um, What I've been doing on the political side is really trying to get people's experiences because I find a lot of it, uh, people start talking to me about politics. They actually don't talk to me about their experiences. They talk to me about what they heard on Fox or CNN or the internet, but they don't tell me a lot about what they have gone through. So Mm. I usually sit through the, you know, uh, those darn libs, right, those yeah, darn exactly, Democrats, exactly, those darn everybody. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I usually, okay. Cause that's not what you think. That's what the, your sports team thinks, right? That's what the collective thinks, um, which is fine. But so then I say, well, how, how have you had to deal with homeless people? Like what's that? what does that entail? Like, do you, do you, go to businesses? Are you, do you feel sorry for them? Are they harassed? You know what I mean? Like, so those are the questions. How do you deal with the police? How do you deal? What do you feel? Have you, do you feel like you're making enough money from your job? Like these are the kind of things that I like to ask people, um, is your neighborhood safe? Why, why do you think it is or isn't like, these are the things that, because it's a very immediate deal for me. Um, and, and I want to know what people really think themselves. What are, what are your experiences and what are your thoughts? Um, because I can go on the internet and see what your other thoughts are. it's yeah. not. There's nothing in uh, unique about that, but your own experiences almost always unique. You'll see commonalities in there, but you have dealt with things that you might not even understand or political issues. And so, if you ask the right questions and then just listen to what they're saying, I, I think that you get educated. And so, right now, I'm in the process of trying to educate myself um, to that, at least in my local community, and and see, you know what what are we dealing with here? How are people feeling? And what are they really experiencing on, on kind of on the boots on the ground level? And that has been super fun. Like it's been really, um, it's been super educational, especially because it challenges your own view. So I was raised in the South Valley of Albuquerque, New Mexico. There it was, my neighborhood was pretty rough and tumble. We had some, the South Valley in Albuquerque, New Mexico is a very interesting place because you have the best people in the world living immediately next door to the worst to so the worst beings. possible right, scenario. Exactly. yeah
0: absolutely yeah so it's a weird
2: situation and there's not a lot of uh you know uh, this is the bad neighborhood this is the good neighborhood there's some of that but a lot of it is well it's just i mean everybody's kind of living together uh so you get these, the neighborhood was kind of rough and tumble. And so when I was a kid and there were home invasions or I, uh, you know, the house next to me was the halfway house for the prison. Mm-hmm. The house across was this rental that was always just getting in trouble. So it, you'd be very scared as a young kid with all these situations that I had to go through. But then Bernalillo County Sheriff's Department would come, you would hear the sirens mm-hmm. and you knew they were coming to wreck stuff like, and so they would come in and everybody would start running and the people that were shooting would stop shooting and try to get or out of there. start shooting a different thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tried to get out. So the, the police came and, and then after they came and they did all their stuff, I was able to go to sleep. Like this scared eight year old kid was like, they would come and the neighborhood would be dead quiet after they left. And so I'd get three or four. And that just that feeling of relief. But then I have to remember that there were people who had the exact opposite experiences as I talked to them when the police came, right? Like they were, you know, they shot their dad accidentally because he was the wrong color or they would pull all their friends out or whatever. So like you, you have to then say, well, these people have had that powerful experience I had in reverse with the police and that's why they're feeling that way. And so just understanding that I think is a super important uh, element to being a a future politician. And so I'm trying to understand that.
0: Yeah. Well, and man, I I love like getting people to talk about that. Like, how does this affect you? Don't tell me, don't tell me what you think about the national politics like Okay. We have a homeless problem. What, what do you mean? Right. How how Define have you that. tried to help? Like, what does right. that, what does that mean to you? Like, right. that's a really, you know, fostering that conversation is something that people just aren't doing enough. Like right. people, it's, it's just like the internet world, right? You don't want to be interrupted. You want to be able to put your little comment out and put it out there and be like, that's it. You don't want to have a conversation, right? You want to, you want to read what this idiot said and say your own idiot thing. Then you're like, ha
2: right. I've solved it. Right. Right. So I, for me, at least in my methodologies, I think I'm going to start with that. And so that's where I'm at.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, I can't wait to see where it goes. I'm super duper excited about it. We're going to bring it back to the, to the whole Albuquerque and the, and the PJ community thing. Like you have given back so much to this community. And so like, I know you laugh and you say you haven't, and I can see it on your face, <laughs> but you really have. And that's like, that's why we wanted to take it on there. And, and I know you've seen for a long time, like where that PJ community is going, you know, with a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, like, how do you feel about um, just the pararescue community in general? Well, first of all, like pararescue guys to me are
2: so damn cool. And I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, obviously, I mean,
0: look at, look at you two (laughs) right off the bat. He's an SR guy, but he does love (laughs) PJ.
1: But, uh, (laughs) Uh, I have a thing. It's weird. Whatever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, um, the, the, I think what one of the things that I really enjoy about them is that their motto, right? Like that is a very unique thing in in the special operations world. Like that your job is to go save people's butts. Like that's really cool. For me it's it's such a unique and a cool thing that you get these personality types that go into that field and I think it's something special because everybody from Uh, you know, I mean, you got your tier one guys, your, your dev and your CAG and all these guys that are, you know, and and brilliant people, so smart. And then everybody below that is just great team, but you don't really have a dedicated unit to go and help the people that are helping the people, if that makes sense. So to me, it was said, that's one of the first things that brought me to it. I was like, what a unique uh, career field, right? What a unique mission profile and what a noble thing like for me, it was just, it was the height of nobility. So, uh, that, that's what I, what, uh, attracted me to it. But then the people in that, that follow that kind of, right. Like, cause you have personality types and obviously you guys both know people that don't sure. always fit the personality type. <laughs> right, you yeah. have personnel, right? Like it's, you know, if you're a, if you're a sniper kind of guy, you're a sniper kind of guy, there's people that can, you know, do dogs and snipers and everything else. But most of the time you, you kind of settle into what you like to do. Um, and so I think that there was uh, there was such a uniqueness in that pararescue community that I admired, that uh, really drew me to the people. And they've been nothing but sweet and kind and uh, appreciative. I don't really do much, uh, and they are still appreciative. So, <laughs> like I'm not. It's just it, you know what it is. They're just good people. Yeah, you're good people, man. Absolutely. They're okay. I mean, yeah, there's also <laughs> yeah. you help
1: right. help people along their way to their goals of of getting to the other side of this. Uh, you know the veil of life, you know, that's helping people. Um, So so as as we, as we need to end first, I want to say thanks for coming on. I I really appreciate it. And, 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 and everything I've seen you do, I don't want to fanboy out here too much, but one of our final questions we always ask is say you have a person out there that's thinking about trying to get into one of these uh, career fields or communities. That's, that's almost an impossible task, right? Whether it's being a a pararescue guy, SR, CCT, SEAL, MMA fighter, What's your piece of advice for someone uh, that's out there thinking about uh, getting into this kind of uh,
2: job? Uh, Well, the best advice I give you is stop thinking about it. Just do it. Like, stop. Well, I could do this and then maybe that. I don't know. Just stop. Go do it. Done. Like, it's like reading self help books to get better at something. Like, no, just be better. (laughs) (laughs) I get, I have to, I'm angry all the time. Stop being angry. Well, how do you do that? you're going to read a thousand books and you're going to be right back in this position where you're, it's the same thing with, if go do it, stop it. That's what we stop it. Stop having inner monologues with yourself. Stop weighing out the options and just go do it. And if it's for you, it'll present itself pretty damn quick. Like you'll be like, Oh, this is not anything. What I thought it was. I'm out. I'm going to go uh, fly airplanes. But if, if it is for you and it clicks because almost all the best operators I know, Hardly any of them got in there thinking I'm going to be this amazing. And they just tried it out. They were like, like I. Some of the best were like artists. I know a great some great guys. That went, oh, I just painted and I wanted to get into the military mechanics. I know mechanics that are were tier one guys that are legends now. You know what I mean? But they started out in aircraft maintenance. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like so, just do it. Like it, you don't have to have this special thing where you're like, it's my whole life, bro. I'm
0: going to, you're not going to get an invitation, fellas. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Just go
2: stop. Stop. The internal monologue drives me crazy. After you do like a, a first assessment, you've already done everything you need to do. Yeah, like it, it, it. Not all women are like this, but a lot of women—they've already decided that they liked you or not liked you by the second First five day. Seconds, yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. it, they've already figured you out. Like I'm not nothing to do with this guy, or we'll see where it goes. And that once you like, oh, maybe I should I do it? Okay, I'll do an initial triage of all these things, the, the pros and cons, and then you're done. If you're like still questioning it, then go do it.
0: Love it absolute best way to end <laughs> we tell people that all the time people are like should i do this other thing we're like listen if you want to be a pj or an sr guy or a seal or a, or a fighter or whatever it is that you want to be you got to go you just got to stop doing it put that put on your shoes and go run today today, <laughs> today. stop the podcast <laughs> go get it done. that's it
2: don't wait another hour while you're going man, Maybe.
0: <laughs> fantastic it. well man that's an awesome place to end. I really appreciate you coming on from your work with the Deliver Fund. We're going to put deliverfund.org. We'll make sure that yeah, that gets on the, on the YouTube and on the website. Everybody follow uh, Coach Greg Jackson at Greg Jackson MMA. Is that the the Instagram? Something. He doesn't even friend me back. I don't even think he runs Because I'm not anything. on my... I don't... He, I don't it I don't, hurts. Yeah, I don't it hurts. go on this uh, social media. <laughs> <laughs> we want to say thanks, everybody, that keeps coming back to the team room to hearing it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Have a great day. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. Thanks again to Coach. For coming on. Trent, any last words? No, really appreciate it. Start now. It's going to be scary. Just do it, just like Coach said. Let's go, baby. Regret as hell. Train hard, everybody. Have a good one. Later.